Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast back again. Logan Paulson and me, Craig Hoffman, just talking about football every day this week in the microphones. <laughs> the nature of a short week, Commanders Bears tomorrow, 8.15 p.m. Uh, our pregame coverage starts, well, it starts in earnest at 4 with the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. And then the simulcast, and we flip over the branding, if you will, to the Take Command pregame show at 6.30. All of it live at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor. But we got a podcast to do first, Logan, to get everybody ready for the Bears in podcast form. And before we even get into Chicago, I want to just talk about what it's like to play on a short week. Uh, as a media person, it means you do a lot of podcasts in a very condensed space. Right. Uh, as a player, though, it is, it's intense. Like Recovering from an NFL football game is hard, and the amount of prep that goes into a game from a, a mental and a strategic standpoint is immense on a regular week. What are those things like on a short week? Yeah, I always, I always was not a huge fan of the short week. Obviously, you get the days off afterwards, which is always great. You know, Santana was telling me the other day that he loved Thursday night game, and I was like, why? And he kind of 
was just like, cause we get a mini bye week, you know? And so there is that there's the light at the end of the tunnel, but I always hated the short week because I felt like it really threw off my prep. It wasn't even about the recovery so much. It was the prep. Like it just, everything's accelerated. You haven't really flushed the last game and you're kind of into the next game. And I just felt like I couldn't cover all the stuff I wanted to cover. I couldn't own the game plan the way I wanted to own it. And I couldn't prep like my opponent the way I wanted to, to prep it. Right. And obviously it's tough because you're, you're losing, what is it? You're losing three days, four days. So it's, yeah. it's, it's challenging to kind of make sure you get everything as you want it. So um, that for me, I never really liked it. It's kind of the same thing you're feeling here as like a media guy, right? Like I haven't watched as much Bears film as I normally, or as, as I would have, or I can watch because I'd usually do that on Wednesday, but we're doing the podcast. You know what I'm saying? So it just, it kind of accelerates the whole process. And, um, and I just found it very, very challenging to feel truly ready. And then God forbid you have some type of injury or Nick or, you know, I, there was one year we played the Vikings in 2013. I had a torn MCL and like that thing just hurt like all get out the whole week. It just barely felt better for the game. And then it felt worse on the following Friday. So it just, it, it is a challenging thing. Um, like I said, the only benefit that I see is that you get to, you're kind of on to the next one right away. So after a tough, tough game, it can be helpful, but I just, I was never a big fan of them. Yeah. The mental side of it, uh, and the preparation I think is so interesting on a lot of fronts. Um, you know, your game plans and we'll get into a lot of that stuff as, uh, as we go, obviously. But I think that there's also like, there's just an exhaustion mentally of like not having time to yes. flush the last game. And, um, actually during the, um, during the press conferences yesterday with Sam and Ron, um, and I didn't get a chance to watch them, uh, but you know, I do a radio show and obviously that means we listen to the audio. Both guys just sounded exhausted. And that was like to hear a very tired sounding head coach and a very tired sounding quarterback to me spoke to the fact that they did not let their foot off the gas after that Eagles game. Like one, that was an exhausting game mental, mentally, physically, and emotionally, but two, you then immediately have to start preparing to feel that you're remotely ready for this team. And so, you know, we were, we were talking about this with Michael Phillips on Monday on the radio show. Like, you know, everyone thinks that this is going to be an easy game because it's the Bears. Yeah, the Bears might be the worst team in the NFL, but on Thursday night football, man, like just you, you throw the records out, you throw everything out because it's it's not like it's almost not an NFL football game because like the preparation that goes into an NFL football game is not possible on the schedule that you are on for Thursday night. No, I agree. I think um, it, it, it does. It feels very different. The, the mentality is very different. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you're surviving the game as opposed to thriving in the game. At least that's how I always felt. You're, you're kind of, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I don't remember exactly what this formation is let's try to get there and then oh my body's a little sore i don't have that extra gear not that i ever had the extra gear but you know what i'm saying like hypothetically Rel relatively Rel speaking. relatively speaking exactly. you don't have logan's fifth gear even if logan's fifth gear wasn't quite uh, some other folks fifth gear that's right so um it it is it does it does feel very different the other thing it's like you're coming off this really emotional overtime loss and how do you emotionally process those stressors i think is another big one because it, it's so it, it's so close to the game and I do think that there's a lot of truth to this idea that you could anything could happen because maybe the Bears are feeling really high and maybe they're prepped for the opponent week before transfers better to this opponent. I don't personally think so, but there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And uh, it's just about who's going to kind of be the more mentally tough team and who's going to be the better like the, the better pro and figure it out on a short week.
Yeah, so I think it is worth mentioning, and we'll talk about the psychology of each team and where they are in a second uh, before we dive into the details of the rosters and the formations and and the personnels and all that kind of stuff that we always yeah. do. But the Bears are also coming off a really heartbreaking loss. Like yes. they were up big at halftime, blow a second half lead. Um, they have a fourth and one late in that game where they could have kicked a game tying field goal, or I don't remember what this this whether it would have put them up three and then the Broncos tie, but like. What, what ultimately would have resulted in them going to overtime with Denver. And then they're driving again after that and Fields throws a pick to seal the game when they're really close, if not already in field goal range. So, you know, the Bears are coming off a pretty bad one on the loss standpoint, and they have yet to win a game this year versus the Commanders, like have a kind of a bounce back performance in a loss to a very, very good Eagles team where they, you know, in soccer, there's there's some ties that feel like losses and some ties that feel like wins. And this was almost a loss that felt like a win in some respects sure. because you have that late tying drive and then you wind up losing it in overtime. Although the way the locker room reacted afterwards, maybe not. You know, that well, might I mean, they, they, own, they, they might not feel my own emotions. Way. But like, yeah. I think there is, in terms of which is better, the yeah. ones that the Bears threw away. Like, so in addition to the interception... They also had the sack fumble on the keeper where he's trying to throw the ball away. It ends up being a, a fumble oh, yeah, yeah, return yeah. for a touchdown. So it was like literally a that's a 14-point swing right there in a game where they were up by two scores, I want to say. So they were, it, yeah. That that was a messy end of that game, especially because they played so well in the first half. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But if I'm the Bears, yeah. I'm like, man, we can't get out of our own way. And that's what showed up on the film anyway. Right. Yeah. So you have like that emotional side of it. And then then the other part of it too is like what you know if we say this thursday night thing with the strategy and whatever like does it actually benefit the better team roster wise because you take some of the game planning and whatever out of it because there's not enough time to install it and if you're just gonna line two teams up and say hey figure it out go play football does it benefit like does it does it serve as an evening out mm. or does it serve as this is a huge advantage for the better roster and if that's the case then like washington should go out and win this game because they do have the better roster at this point and I, I haven't studied enough Thursday night football trends to yeah. have a feeling, but like, you know, when you played on, on either side of that equation, like, how did you feel about it? I mean, I really, I, cause I never really was in when I played into like, who's favored, who's not. I was just like, right. we got to get out here and, and play a good game. Um, I'm trying to think I, you know, my, my success rate on Thursday night football was not great in my career, but um, <laughs> I definitely would assume that it favors the better roster, but in this case, I'm not sure that it does because of all kind of the weird stuff that Chicago does. It, and by weird, it's not like, you know, they're running like the wing T or something like that, but they do a lot of stuff offensively and defensively that's enough of a wrinkle that takes a lot of time to prep, and you're never going to get like a mastery of that in a two-day walkthrough kind of Thursday prep. So I do think that there is some stuff here, even though this roster is better, that Chicago just does that's part of their DNA that it's just it's annoying to prep for in a short week because you'd like another couple of days to get ready for it. Like, for example, if you're playing Philly, you don't even really need to do any prep because you know exactly what they're going to do. Like, you, you're familiar with them. That's a divisional opponent. Maybe that's a bad example because they're in the division. Um, you know, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs have run the same offense for the last five years. So when you played them last year, you're like, oh, I know that. Oh, yeah, this is what we did last year. Oh, that worked really well, and it makes it really easy. Here, Chicago. Or if you're if you're, if you're Washington <laughs> and you're playing Kansas City, it's like this is. Hey, guys, remember training camp? Yes, exactly right. And so with this game, it's just like they do enough different stuff that I don't think it's the 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 benefit of having the superior roster does not carry as much weight in this game because there's a bigger mental 
load, I would say, um, offensively and defensively. Um, the last thing I want to talk about before we get into that stuff in detail, and we keep hinting at it, I promise yeah. we will get there, is kind of the psychology of where each team is at at this point yeah. in their season. Um, because Washington, I still feel like probably like defensively, they're like, we got to figure this stuff out. But, you know, hey, we're, we're getting close. Like we, we like certain things we're doing. Um, offensively, I feel like the confidence is probably high. But what's it like to be on the other side? Like if you're Chicago coming into this game, you're 0-4, you thought you finally had one, and then it slips away, you throw it away, probably is how you feel about it if you feel yeah. them based off what we were just saying. Like how hard is it to mentally bounce back and and get up for another game on a Thursday night, that quick turnaround? And what's it just like to go to work every day when you're on a team that frankly is not very good? Yeah, it's tough. You know, when I was up in Chicago, we were not a good football team. You know, like we we were we were having a rough go when I was up there as well. I think we won two games or three games, something like that. And um, it's it is very fatiguing mentally because you come in and you have to kind of be. At least this was my thought. You have to kind of be the same person every day. I have to be a professional. I get here at the same time. I do the same film study. I do. I, I am. I am like that. That's my schedule. And no matter how bad or down the team is, like I'm gonna finish in practice i'm gonna you know be upbeat but it is at some point you, you ever heard the saying like fake it to make it like that's kind of how it feels like every day yeah. it's like false enthusiasm false this because you kind of know that you're not a part of a good organization a good team and you know the good organization thing because like all that drama that's going on with the dc and all that stuff that's happened up there it's just it's not great and it's and it is very stressful very fatiguing um and it's and it's hard. It's hard to kind of get up for each game. And unless you have a like really solid leadership group and really strong coaching staff, it can get really sour really quick. And guys, not through no fault of their own, will just start going through the motions, quite frankly. Because it's like, I'm getting paid. Got to make it to the end of the year. My contract's up. I can't get hurt. And then you kind of start playing for next year. And obviously, it's still early in the season. You know, 0-4, you can still kind of do some stuff here and turn the season around. But you know, one more loss and it looks completely different. And you're kind of like, maybe you start getting into that more. And especially with a young quarterback, I think it's, it's exceptionally challenging. It's, 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 it's tough when you're playing in that environment every single day. It's not, it's not fun. It's, I can't even like, it's like if, it's like if you knew everyone in your, in your company was going to get fired at the end of the year, that's kind of what it feels like. How, like, yeah. how would you perform? You would be like, I'm going to do my job as well as I can. Cause I don't want to get fired, but Everybody else is in trouble, and you're like it, it's it's just this like there, there's this there's this looming uh, ominous cloud that unless you start winning football games is always there every single day. Yeah, you you're like that light at the end of the tunnel is a train. It's, yeah, not and it's a not good great. Time. Yes, it's not. Um, great. And by the way, like something unique to sports because nobody roots for corporations. Um, well, maybe some people do, but that's maybe a different podcast. Anyway, the point is, uh, I, we had a caller that called into the radio show uh, yesterday who lives like Commanders fan who lives in Chicago, and he's like, "What you have to understand is up here right now, the fan base." is already like over this season because they've got the first round pick from Carolina yeah. and their own. And they're like, what if we pick one, two in this draft? Yeah. And like, it is a loaded draft. Caleb Williams is sitting at the top of it. You could wind up for a franchise, by the way, who I, I, I kid you not. And Logan, you might know this, uh, but for, for commanders fans who thinks we've had a bad run of quarterbacks here in Washington, we smoke the Bears. 100 and whatever years of Chicago Bears football, the best quarterback statistically they've ever had 
is Jay Cutler. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, Jay is far and away, statistically, the best quarterback they've ever had. And, like, they don't, like, Mitch Trubisky is, like, a top 10 all-time passer in Bears history. Like, it is is insane how bad their luck has been with quarterbacks slash how their skill in evaluating the position has been. So all of a sudden you can finish this season dead last, not only pick up Caleb Williams, but also draft Marvin Harrison Jr., who might be the best receiver to come out in a decade to pair with him. Like, oh, that's the best offense the Bears have had in 100 years from day one, possibly. So like there is real angst and anxiety and, and I would say hope for being bad but if you're a player on the team and you feel that from the fan base, like that can't be very fun either. So no, it's, um, tough. it's a it's a tough situation there in Chicago. Do not wish that on anybody. Um, but, but that being said, commanders like you got you can't you can't just be like, all right, well, then we're good. Like, yeah, there are pros out there trying to trying to turn yeah. this around and trying to win games. And it's not going to be a walkover. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I think that's one thing fans often forget. It's like, oh, they're playing the Bears. You know, when I was on bad football teams, like you didn't, you knew you were on a bad team, but you're in a job interview all the time. And they always talk about how like pro scouting departments watch your last three games of film. So I was always, I was always in my mind, this needs to be my best game of my career every single week. And there's a lot of guys that approach that way because it's ultimately it's a business and it comes down to money. And these guys, they understand that the the Bears guys, no doubt in my mind. And they're going to play hard because they want to still be in the league next year. So, um, and this is a good opportunity. I think they uh, offensively, I think they probably look at the our, our defense and say they've got some talented pieces, but they're susceptible to big plays. And we were able to crush the the Bills and be in a game, or the Bills, the the Broncos, finding big plays. And defensively, maybe we can steal a couple here and there on a young quarterback with some pressure because we like to blitz a lot. Like, let's go get it. You know what I'm saying? And and it's a short week, and they can't prep the stuff that we've got. So you never know. You never know. All right, so let's get in to the details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast presented by t-mobile the official wireless partner of odyssey sports with an awesome network and great savings there's never been a better time to join t-mobile visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there, Craig Hoffman here. If you like what you're hearing, you like what you're watching, subscribe wherever it is you are watching or listening right now. And uh, also, you know, tell a friend. Don't be selfish. You share, share the knowledge, share the pod, share the wealth uh, here on Take Command. Let's talk. Uh, you want to go offense first, or, like commander's offense, bears defense, or bears offense, yeah, commander's defense? I guess we could always go commander's offense first. All right. So if you look at this Bears defense, uh, they do some they do some funky stuff, and yeah. it's on a short week. And Eric Bieniemy's got to get Sam Howell prepped. Uh, they obviously had a great bounce back performance last week. I definitely think, based off of the personnel, they should be able to put up a ton of points again this week. A ton, yeah. like they should put up a, a solid amount of points again this week. But there are definitely landmines in the way. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's start, I think, with like the personnel, because uh, I think that explains a lot of who they are. I think when you look at their defensive line, it's a bunch of guys who are good players, but probably in a perfect world, like rotational players. Like Demarcus Walker is the highest graded player last from last week's game. He's like a 280-pound edge. He's like a traditional like 1990 like four-down edge. He's going to set a, a very vertical edge. He's physical. He plays hard. But he doesn't have like a lot of pass rush juice and he's one of their better players on the defense, you know? So it's like, he's like in, he's like a player playing out of his era. He's a guy that I think they probably want to move to like an interior pass rushing situation. But, and then Andrew Billings is a guy that I love watching play. He's a big wide body kid from Baylor. Who's kind of your classic nose guard who plays hard. He's got some physicality to him, but you know, to me, he's like a John Ridgeway plus. And I don't know if you want John Ridgeway being your, your full-time starter on defense, right? You'd, you'd like to have someone, better and I think that's who they are and so I think the Bears coaching staff understands that they're a little bit limited and when you look at Iberflus's defense traditionally when he was in I think the Indianapolis right is that what yeah, he was in Indianapolis and then he was a linebackers coach in Dallas before that for a long time yeah so they they like to in Indianapolis they like to play like a conservative coverage structure so think like cover two Tampa two cover three kind of keep everything in front of you and rally to the football that only works when you have a lot of juice rushing the passer. So they've kind of had to modify who they are a little bit. And so you look at first and second down, and they are doing a ton of what I would call like run stunts. So basically what they're doing, they're in these light boxes. and what they're So if you're running to the right, they will stunt the front side defensive end and three technique inside the gap, and they'll scrape the linebackers. And not that that is hard. But it is a thing that you like to prep week in and week out. You just like to make sure you have it. They like to run a lot of first and second down blitzes just to kind of, again, they are a little bit understaffed in terms of defensive line talent. They've invested a lot of stuff there. They have a sec- they have two second round picks in the group, but none of them have really 
blossomed, I think, the way that they were looking for. So that's what they're dealing with. You have two linebackers who I think are good players. You know, TJ Edwards um, is the guy from Philly. He's, you know, I think he was an undrafted guy, so not the best athlete in the whole world, but very instinctive. You see his athletic deficiencies show up sometimes, and you kind of have his polar opposite, Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker they brought in from Buffalo last year. He's 6'5", he's 245, he runs like a deer. I think he's been struggling a little bit in the system, honestly, when you watch him on a down-and-out basis. And it makes sense because there's no – It's remember how we talked about – we talked about this earlier this offseason, how the defensive – how the running back is to the offensive line as the linebacker is to the defensive line. And so when you don't – as a linebacker, when you don't have a good defensive line, your production is going to suffer a little bit. And they're kind of taking him out of positions, I think, with the, all these run stunts to make a ton of plays. So, yeah. Well, it, and also, you know, yeah. remember when we talked to some of the Buffalo guys, they were like, you know, not that Tremaine Edmonds is a bad player, but like he was right. maybe a little bit overrated right. in, in Buffalo. I agree. That they, they knew that the guy they needed to keep was Matt Milano. Like Milano was actually the guy. Edmonds got a lot more hype. And now all of a sudden behind a worse defensive line without Mo Matt Milano next to him, Edmonds has definitely struggled a little bit. Yeah, and then I think when you just go to the next level of the defense, it's kind of the same thing. Obviously, Eddie Jackson's the bell cow back there. He was hurt last week, I think, though. Or he was on the injury report. I don't know if he played or not. I have to look at the look at the film again. But they got Jaquan Brisker playing next to him. He's like a box player. And when you watch him, I think he is like he's basically like a linebacker. He's a little stiff. And so you can take advantage of him in the pass game, I think. And then you got Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback out of Miami that was drafted this year. And he is a fine player, but he's a rookie. And I think that... Like when you go through the defense, you're not like this is an established player who's playing well at the moment. Obviously, we mentioned Tremaine Edmonds, but again, he's not playing. Yeah, like Tremaine Eddie Jackson's Edmonds. like the one. Yes, and right. by the way, that's a guy who I'm pretty sure has a pick against the Commanders in his career. Yeah, um, like he's Eddie Jackson's a very good football. Is he player. on the injury report? Can we just look uh, up he he is on the injury report, but Courtney uh, Cronin of ESPN reporting that he is planning on playing. Okay, all right, because I don't think he played last week. So. But I think Eddie Jackson, good football player, but one good football player, a good defense does not make. And so when you look at their grades by PFF, and again, PFF is is a flawed system, but they're kind of in that 50 range. And a lot of it's because guys get out of position, guys get physically outmatched. They play hard. They play really, really hard, which is good, and it gets them out of a lot of stuff. But in terms of overall talent, it's not something you're like, whoa, we really got to – it's not like Philly. Where you, where you turn on the film, you're like, oh my gosh, Jalen Carter's a beast. Oh my gosh, Jordan Davis a beast. Oh my God. Like, there's nobody like that in this group, really. They play hard. They're relatively disciplined. Um, but again, it's a new defense for that whole group. So there are some mental mistakes. There are some hiccups here and there. So it is, it is a group that I feel like if you can handle some of the unusual stuff they're throwing out on first and second down, I think you should be able to kind of, I don't want to say dominate, but should be able to kind of comfortably control this game offensively. Yeah, it's interesting watching the Denver game back because they like Denver was in a lot of heavy personnel. They had yes. a lot of they ran the football a lot and then had a lot of downhill play action. So it was like yeah. kind of the you know the the antithesis of what we would talk about last year with Scott Turner, where it's like, hey man, like you're not running the same play actions and passes right. and runs. Like, can you match them up so it's not so obvious? Like Denver was like every play Russ is either handing the ball off or going to look like he's doing the same handoff and and then pulling out and going play action. So like there's there's a very different style of play to study from last week's game. Um and watching that and also some of the personnel usage like they use a lot of heavier personnel. Yeah. Um but 
what Denver was able to get was some big explosive plays to the yes. outside, like some kind of game plan run feeling runs to me. Yeah. Um, that's me watching a TV copy versus you watching the tape and having the knowledge of, of like what some of those runs are on a deeper level, obviously. Yeah. Um, but like, it felt like to me, there's some big, big run plays available on this defense. And a lot of those might be like the Antonio Gibson style runs versus the Brian Robinson style runs. So I'm curious how EB calls this um, because you also do have obviously Terry and Jahan and Curtis on these very inexperienced uh, and frankly, not that good uh, DBs. So there's you know plethora of opportunities, but you have to keep Sam clean. You, you can't let these blitzes get after you. You can't you know be confused by the line stunts because that is where you'll kill yourself on drives. You wind up in third and longs, you know, Sam yeah. goes back to throwing picks because he's under pressure, like all, all the bad stuff then enters the equation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that, you know, when you do a lot of uh, run stunts, like they work really well because they create penetration. You get you get in the backfield, you get linebackers moving to the side of the run quickly. All those things are good. The problem is like if you get a good double team, somebody's cut out of a gap and people are running away. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're running away right. from the hole. So you get huge, cre you can get huge creases. So if you coach it up, you can execute it really well. So I, I do think that there is there's pros and cons to what they're doing, like you alluded to. And if you can get it schemed up and blocked up, I think there's there's big plays to be had for sure. And when I look at what Denver did, I think one of the things they did that I think worked surprisingly well is they ran a bunch of screens that, that hit really, really nicely. And they have a little scat back running back who found some explosive plays. And you said game plan runs. I think they were kind of getting to the runs that they do well. I'm saying Denver does well, just mm -hmm. getting to them out of different formations. And I think, it, you know, they run toss crack. They run yeah. what I would call zap. They run their runs. We don't run all those runs. You know, we run different. We have we have different runs that are kind of our runs, Washington. But I think they got to them creative ways. They messed up run fits. Guys busted gaps, and they were able to hit explosive runs. And I think that to me is like the crux of this defense: is you should be physically able to handle this group, and then if you can add like a little game plan sprinkle or seasoning in there, I think you can find some explosive plays. So. Um, and obviously the running back for Denver, I think, deserves a ton of credit. He was, I think he's an undrafted kid or something like he that. He is, but, undrafted rookie, 38. But, I'm just kind of forgetting his name. I'm going to look it up real quick. But very fast But out. very fast. And like, there was a play that I watched earlier today where, you know, that guy we just mentioned, number 94, gets a ton of penetration in the backfield and he makes a miss and then gets the perimeter and it ends up being a big play. So, um, yeah. Jaleel McLaughlin. Yeah, he deserves a ton of credit. And I think B-Rob has that ability. Like when I look at the Bills game, one of his good runs, the the nickel blitzes inside uh, the B-gap and it should be dead to rights. Makes a miss, bounces to the perimeter and ends up being a big play. So I think B-Rob has that level of vision to kind of maximize those mistakes. Because like on that big run I was just telling about, it comes on a run stunt. The defensive end's pinching across the tight end's face. He's six yards in the backfield. The running back just gets the handoff. Little jump cut, right? And then... The uh, the fullback does a really good job of playing around, and the linebacker scraping over to contain gets walled off, and the running back through good footwork is able to get there. But that's the you see the pro of a run stunt, and you see the con of a run stunt on the same play, and you see how your running back can elevate that, especially if it gets blocked up. So I think that's kind of what we're talking about from a defensive run fit standpoint. I think they've got fine personnel, but it, again, they're not they're, they're guys that I like. But they're guys that I would like as like a James Smith Williams or John Ridgway role. And I think they're young players and they're going to grow into something more potentially. But that's kind of the defense. And I, and I think when you look at what EB has done, 
especially given some of the softer coverage structures and their inability to create pressure consistently with four, there should be opportunities for Sam to exploit those matchups you were talking about. And say what you want about this offense. I think they this offense, EB does a good job of, especially last week, of saying, hey, we got Terry McCord, we got Jahan. Let's get those guys into some space in terms of understanding the levels of the defense and that kind of you know, 10 to 15 yard area and make some plays. And I think that's what you're looking at here with the bears. Yeah. By the way, um, PFF gave Jaleel McLaughlin a, like he scored very well in the game. It was a 87, uh, but he got a five pass block grade. Uh, so I don't great. know what, I don't, I don't know what happened there. How many snaps he got stuck in pass pro and how bad it was, but, uh, I've never seen a five before, but that was, that was that great. Um, yeah, no getting, getting Terry. I mean, all week I've been talking about this. The the targets for Terry Jahan and and Curtis last week are phenomenal, and you know it, it's interesting too because a guy like Cole Turner completely disappears. But there's only yeah. so many targets and so many snaps to go around, and Cole only played six snaps last week with Logan Thomas back. But at the end of the day, if that means that you know, hey, Cole Turner's got to sit on the bench so that Terry can get ten targets, Jahan can get eight, and Curtis can get nine. Sorry, Cole Turner. Yeah. Those other dudes are better players. And yep. um, I'm excited to see, you know, obviously that comes with better efficiency, converting on third down, longer drives, running 77 plays, all that mm. kind of stuff, 78 plays, whatever it was. You have to have the plays to get the targets, but I'm excited to see EB make that quick shift from tight ends and, and what he had in Kansas City to, hey, these are my these are my horses here. Let's make sure they get the ball. Um, and I think that with the screen game you mentioned, you know, can you get whether it's Curtis, Jahan, Terry, some screen action this week? I think that could be on the table. B Rob yeah. and AG. Um, one thing that hasn't happened uh, a ton, and I wonder if there's opportunities this week. I'm curious your thoughts on this. In training camp, we saw B Rob way more involved in the pass game. Yeah, I haven't really seen that a ton. Uh, why do you think that is, and and do you think that's something that will change as the season goes on? Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really have a good reason as to why that is. I think, um, I think B Rob did a great job in training camp, catching the football and running routes and doing all that stuff. Um, I think part of it is, is I want my better route runners running routes. Um, you know, yeah. I want Curtis good on enough, the field. Good enough reason for me. Yeah, I want Logan on the field. I want those guys in the one-on-one matchups. And while I think B Rob is very capable of doing that, I don't think like, there's just a lot of playmakers in this offense and I don't think it needs to be I think that's one thing um again like doing like making a game plan at the high school level has shown me it's like oh I really like this play but do I like it more than getting my best player the football no I don't like that I want to get this guy his 10 targets I want to get this running back 15 touches at least and then if we're going to run a screen I want this guy to get the ball I don't really care about you know you know the second running back who I who I love and runs great routes and does all that stuff but I think that becomes um, more present, like more important, is finding targets for your for your horses. And I think as we've talked about, like Jahan, Terry, Logan, Curtis has done a great job this season. They're, I think, more effective catching the football in one on one situations. And I would want to make sure I get them their touches. Also, it is it is a little bit I don't want to say laborious, but it can be a little bit tedious at times when you're cultivating a game plan to find to find passing touches for a running back you know and it kind of and again sometimes i think it dilutes the effectiveness of the offense i'm not saying that's what's going on here but that is potentially maybe what's happening yeah um the other thing real quick that i want to mention um and see how this you know matches up with what the bears do and you know making sure that they can keep sam clean making the bears job harder because they don't have great pass rush juice is something that dan orlovsky put out the other day on twitter and dan's like man sam howell's got a shot really love him 
He's got to yeah. stop getting to the top of his drop and staying there. It's making <laughs> everyone's job harder. And I feel like we've touched on this a little bit. And we talked about it with like Sam's height, for instance, last week. Like he might yeah. want to stay a little deeper in his drop so he can see. Um, but when we talk about what <laughs> Chicago does uh, defensively in, in their D-line, like moving Sam a little bit or, or making sure that he's manipulating the pocket properly, that if he doesn't do that, that enhances a bad pass rush. You want to keep Chicago's pass rush ineffective. So what do you make of that analysis from Orlovsky and, and you know, how does that imp or kind of play into the game plan this week? Yeah, I mean, what I, Sam's got to do. I think Orlovsky has really great insight on that stuff. And I think he, you play quarterback. And I think when you watch it, you see it, there's times where I'm like, Sam, like, uh, you know, Tom Brady, not a great athlete. I don't think anyone would say that by his, by his combine numbers, right? Right. But one of the things he was or watching him run for any for, number of 20 years in the league. Right. But the one thing he was exceptional at was the subtle kind of feel in the pocket that elevates offensive linemen. And there was a couple times in the Bills game where I'm like, if Sam is a little bit more experienced, he probably helps avoid a pressure, helps avoid a sack, helps avoid a hurry here just by a subtle movement. And again, right now he's doing big movements. He's like, I got to get out of the pocket. I got to run out of here. And, or I stand, or, or like Orlovsky said, I stand here. And so again, I think that's something that, that is going to be cultivated over time and get better as you go. But with regards to the Bears offensive defensive line and their ability to create pressure, uh, unfortunately, they're, they're not very good at it. So, I mean, or fortunately for the commanders, they're, they're very right. good at it. So we, sh I think, I think the offensive line should have an outstanding day. I think EV calls even a fraction of a game that he called against Philly. This should there should be no pressures. There should be no sacks in this game. And I'm saying that what is this on Wednesday? They yeah. just don't have a guy where you're like, oh my gosh, this guy. We can't. Like, how do we block this guy? How do we match up? Like, what's the solution? I'm watching their hurry their hurries right now. They're come on like keepers, nakeds, like where there's nobody blocking the defensive end, or when a quarterback vacates the pocket unnecessarily. But the pockets are. I'm like 15 in right now. They've been immaculate. So I don't think there's a guy. Obviously, Yannick Ngakwe is the guy that you bring in as kind of the pass rush guy for hire. I don't think he's got the juice anymore. And I think Leno has had a really good matchup when he matches up with him. And I think Wiley matches up with speed rushers really well. So I, I think, again, I don't want to be besmirching anybody in the NFL because it's hard to be in the NFL. It's hard to play football at this level. And maybe Demarcus Walker, because he's a power rusher, doesn't match up great with Wiley. And that becomes a little bit of an issue. But if that's even a semblance of an issue, I'm just going to chip the hell out of that guy. And again, there's not enough guys on the line that you say, we have to account for this and this and this. It's like, maybe that, probably not this. And so I think that's the thing is if Sam and EB have the relationship in terms of game flow and Sam understands where the check down is, I don't see this being a huge issue this week. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center 
Twitter anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. And we have one more side of the ball to talk about, which is the commander's defense against Justin Fields and the Bears offense. Of course, don't forget, we'll be breaking all this down as well. Pre-game, uh, 6.30, the official start time for the Take a Man pre-game show live at Tap Sports Bar, MGM National Harbor. We'll be live on YouTube at 106.7 The Fan and at the Team 980. And of course, live on both radio stations and the streams on the free free they said logan odyssey app. Oh, nice. all right yeah we don't charge for the app we don't charge for you to listen during the app you just you just download it and then here we are that's good. um all right so fields uh he's dangerous <laughs> he's dangerous man he's got a big arm he's really fast uh he makes plays off schedule but down in down out so far in his nfl career not very good yeah, and it's I, kind of it's kind of the scariest thing to prepare for because like you just don't know what you're gonna get. <laughs> like you don't want to be the team that gets diced by Justin Fields, but also you know on average you're not gonna be. So like, what do you see from the Chicago offense? Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator. You know they've had all kinds of trouble this year. By the way, they've had the Chase Claypool thing looming over them. Like they're a mess, but yeah. also they're a mess with talent, and that's that's moderately terrifying. Yeah, and I think. Mess with talent. I don't know if I'd go. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Let's just like get DJ into this. Moore's talented. He's, DJ Moore like, is you, you awesome. Slip a ta- you slip a tackle yeah. and he can score on you. And that's kind of what I mean, right? It's like yeah. they don't have talent all over the place, but they have individual talented pieces that are capable of scoring from anywhere on the field. Yeah. And that explosive plays ruin your day as a defense. And that's what scares me. Yeah. So what I'd say is that I felt like early in the season, I was like, what are you guys doing offensively? Like, especially with Fields, I'm talking about the Bears staff. They were kind of, they weren't running the quarterback. They weren't moving the pocket. They were just kind of like, get back there. 
throw the football, read defenses. And I don't think that's who he is at this point in his career. Like he, I think he can get there. I think he's like, when you, you, you said this, he is extremely talented. That ball flies out of his hand. He can touch anywhere on the field. Like it's awesome watching him throw the football when he's decisive. But one of the things I love about the, the, the Denver game is they were like, we are going to speak to what you do well. We're going to give you simple reads. We're going to give you a couple opportunities to push the ball down the field. We're going to be very selective about that. But down to down, we're going to lean on the quarterback run. We're going to run a lot of zone read. We're going to run a lot of RPO. We're going to run a lot of keepers and not nakeds, but keepers. And so the difference between a naked and a keeper is a naked is when, for example, I'm rolling to my right as a quarterback. And I don't, leave, I don't block the defensive end. And so the way you're blocking the defensive end is you're hoping the action, the run action, uh, um, going to the offensive left, pulls that, that defensive end to the right, to the left, and you cannot flank him with the quarterback. I'm not saying do that if you're them. What they've been doing is they've been bringing a fullback back, back to block that defensive end or motioning a tight end to block down to give him the perimeter, to give him the opportunity to run, and give him the opportunity to pass. And I feel like that's been very effective uh, for, for them. Also, I think they do a really good job running the football. You know, Khalil Herbert, I think is the running back's name, number 24, yep. is not – He's really good. He's not like a world beater, but he's good. Like, he's he's a he's a running back's running back is how I would characterize him. He's physical. He's got good vision. He's got good short area bursts. He's not going to home run hit you to death or anything like that, but he's going to double, sing, double and single you to death over the course of a game. And I think that's very valuable for what they do. And so I think – the offensive line is playing better than people think and is a better group than people think, despite a couple injuries they have there. But I think what the last game showed me is, is basically the 2012 um, Washington commanders, right? When Robert Griffin was here, like that's yeah. what they're doing. It's, we are going to lean heavily on the run game. We're going to lean heavy on the play action. We're going to lean heavy on the keeper, you know, moving the pocket with the quarterback, get him on the perimeter, and basically limit his ability to like sit and read a concept one, two, three, four. If you look at his explosive plays from last game, it's pretty much like we think the ball is going to go here and he throws the ball there. So they run a play. Uh, it's a really nice play design. They line up um, uh, DJ Moore outside to the left. He motions across with the motion. The nickel follows him. He runs an out and up and he burns the nickel because he's an explosive football player for a touchdown. And all fields does he holds the post safety in the middle of the field and then throws the throws the go to more and more is good enough to win that one-on-one matchup versus your third corner right so the next play it's um it's all go they motion more the other way from a three by one to a two by two they move with more the the denver defense does he looks to at the middle field safety he knows they've dropped the tight end and he just throws the tight end on a bus like that's kind of what they're doing there's nothing complicated about that it's just good like hey man this is our best player let's use him to distract you and let's get him the football and they found explosive plays and obviously denver busted some coverages and helped them out a little bit but in terms of down to down consistency i look at those keepers and he's throwing he's he probably threw six flats in the first half for 60 yards because you're right. to the perimeter you're getting into a play he throws big yes, yards 100 and that is for him Perfect. So if I'm Jack, I'm like, I want to limit that as much as possible because I don't want him getting those throws. I want them to get out of that. I want him in the pocket. I want him having to read an NFL defense because I don't think he can do that. 
So how do you do that? That's, that's kind of the key question because, you know, one, one thing that helps is the commanders have team speed. Um, they do, specifically yes. they have 52, they have Jamin Davis, who is one of the rare linebackers in the league who can run with Justin Fields. Yeah. And not that you want to do that a lot, uh, because Justin Fields is faster than Jamin, but Jamin can certainly make that getting the edge a lot harder. Also, good luck rolling to Montez sweat side. Um, yeah. this is where having a defensive end that runs a four, three, nine, is very beneficial, which I think is what Montez ran. He's he not, it was four, four, was it four, 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 one. Clo so my bad. I was off two hundredths. Yeah. Um, for all those close, close combine nerds out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> he's insanely fast and like chase is also fast, but you know, running that to Montez's side, which by the way is the side that he's going to want to run to, uh, because yeah. he's right-handed, mm -hmm. uh, is definitively helpful, uh, in defending some of that stuff. Cause like, go ahead, block Montez sweat with the fullback. Good luck with that. Um, but there's also other things you could do schematically, strategically. And also I do wonder, like from a personnel matchup standpoint, do you just chat? Like Kendall is playing incredible football right now. Yeah. Um, do you keep your guys where they've been or do you follow the one weapon they have in DJ Moore with Kendall Fuller all around the field and be like, Hey Kendall, you're on, you're on man duty. Uh, let's shut this yeah. guy down. Like, I, I think that there are options. I don't know if any of them are good. That's why Jack is a defensive coordinator and I'm a <laughs> podcast and radio host. But like of those of those factors, what do you think matters? What do you think the plan will be? Man, you asked a ton of questions and we could probably do two hours on this, but I'll try to keep it tight. So one of the things about the keeper, uh, the keeper naked game that you were talking about is when you run the zone read, it becomes hard to defend that. And what I mean by that is when we played Dallas in 2012, what they started doing, because we're running so many keepers, and they just said, DeMarcus Ware and Spencer, Anthony Spencer, just run directly at the quarterback and hit him because he's going to keep the ball one of these times. And they would get sacks doing that. <clears throat> and so what we started doing is just zone reading that player. And what I mean by that is when that player runs at the quarterback and you're giving him the zone read action, the running, that, that gap that he's supposed to close down to has now been completely vacated because he's attacking the quarterback. So you hand the ball off to the running back, Alfred Morris gets 10 yards, and you just do that until they start closing down, and you go back to the and you go back to the quarterback key. So what Jack has done over the course of his career, he's done a whole bunch of different things, but he's put that guy, that defensive end in the six, had an overhang player, the linebackers scrape over top. So you give them a false read, and that linebacker, who's Jamin in this case, or Cam, can help with the keeper. So there are a couple of different ways, but everything you do has a negative, right? So when I do that, when I take Jamin out of the box or whoever out of the box to match the keeper or match the zone read, <clears throat> I'm now making myself susceptible to something in the A or B gap because that's where he's traditionally fitting that run. So it's just, it's it's a layer thing about, I can't do the same thing all the time. So like maybe one time I let Montez just go get the quarterback. And maybe one maybe one time Montez is stunting and Jamin's scraping. And maybe one time we have Montez just read the quarterback out and give him no read, like kind of a muddy read. And so then he makes a mistake and then Montez gets a tackle for loss. So there are layers to it. But I think what kills you is when you get in, in saying there is one solution to this problem and that's what we're going to do. I think that's where the mistake lies and, and, and happens. So and with regards to, to, to Moore, like he's he's an exception. He reminds me a lot of Steve Smith. I know Steve Smith is one of your favorite players. He's one of my favorite players. Yeah, he's, he's kind of that undersized guy who's like hyper physical and, and can win 50 50 balls. And to me, the guy that I would want on him in this defense is Benjamin St. Juiced. And Benjamin St. Juice has just shown an ability. I said this last week. He's shown an ability and a confidence to match up with top-level receivers at kind of all levels of the defense. And if there's a matchup that I want, I want that guy 
our guy who's 6'3 with long arms and physical at the catch point and physical at the line of scrimmage to disrupt that. That's what I want. Um, And obviously, St. Juice has done an excellent job playing nickel. He was the highest graded player in the defense last week via PFF and did a great job with some open field tackles and coverage responsibilities. So maybe you don't want to move that piece out of that spot. But I just think about training camp. I think about all the opportunities he's had last year, you know, matching up against Justin Jefferson. I say, that's the guy I want. But that's, I think what we're getting to here is that this team, this Bears team, which on paper is not very good because of the scheme, because of the running quarterback on a short week, it it presents issues that you have to really think about and kind of say, what's the best way to stop this? And if I'm the Bears, I'm saying, what's the next evolution of this? Because like when they did this to New York last year, New York with Daniel Jones was doing the same thing. A little bit of zone read, but more keepers to the perimeter naked to the perimeter dallas comes into town really jacks them up the next week they play washington and they have an answer for it and we can't stop the keepers so if the bears are kind of one step ahead in terms of this evolution it's gonna it can be it can be a very challenging solution for jack to find yeah it's definitely tough i i think that you know as a fan uh or someone rooting for washington the hope is that all that happened was they played the Broncos and the Broncos sucked. Defensively. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, which uh, could be a thing. Like, you know, they gave up 70 uh, to to Miami and then they came back the next week against a Bears team that has looked like a disaster against basically everyone else. And they give up 28 in the first half. Um, well, now, I, you... I do think that's a, qu- a good question, though, is like what happened between first half and second half? Because obviously the Bears were not very good after halftime. So um, that is well, that is a relevant piece of data as well. Well, what I would say that I think is interesting, and you said this, is that the team's speed and Jack's defensive philosophy, like they, I thought they were going to come out and play Cinco and run eight-man boxes versus Philly, but they were pretty much like, we trust our front to stop the run. And for, yeah. in large part, they did. And part of it's because they are skilled in that front, the front six, seven, however you want to count that group. And so yeah. I think if they can do that and have extras like safeties and coverage pieces in the back end, those keepers are going to be dead. Like one of the things that um, that uh, the Broncos did is they played a little bit more heavy match man type stuff at a cover one structures. And those, so obviously the flat was open a bunch, but also that like second level crosser at 10 yards was wide open because that backside safety is a run player and he should be there. So I think Jack, because of the softer coverage structures, is going to be like, hey man, like we trust our front to kind of handle this and play good football. And we'll just kind of play a softer cover structure back here. And good luck trying to find an open guy. Because I will say Justin Fields, at his worst, cannot read a defense like a lick. So um, I think if I'm Jack, I'm kind of saying, let's do what we've been doing, which I know a lot of fans get freaked out about. But I actually like that in this game to kind of say, hey, let's be a little bit more conservative. Let's make them earn this. Because I don't think when you look at the, the, the game composition that you, you said this, Denver had a bust for a tight end touchdown. They had a bust on like a third and two where the corner is trying to jump the out and he hits and he hits the go to Rondell Moore for like a 45-yard gain. Those are the types of plays you can't have. Like make them – this is a type of offense you ha- – make them earn every inch. And five-yard increments, I don't care because they will screw it up at some point. They're not talented enough on the offensive line. The quarterback's not talented enough. Make them go 15 plays. Philly, they can right. do it, right? They can do it. We saw them do it. But this this group, I don't think they can do it down to down. Yeah, I also wonder from a personnel usage standpoint, like Emmanuel Force played a ton of snaps compared to what he had done so far sure. this year. And obviously, they weren't exactly psyched with how those snaps went. 
on Sunday against Philadelphia. Um, Percy didn't play nearly as much. I wonder if you see more Percy Butler in this game mm. uh, to get more speed on the field. And just from a personnel standpoint, like Chicago, maybe a little bit more too tight end, like Cole Komet's pretty one of their, their more dangerous guys. Um, do you, do you want more safeties on the field, less corners? I think, and, I think and so. That probably winds up uh, bearing out in the snap counts. So that's look at you, we'll you smart, smart analyst stuff. That's a good, that's a good insight there, Craig. How many, how many podcasts have we done at this point? We should I mean, go back you, and check. Yeah, we should have done a lot, but you do. I've, a good I've job, learned a man. thing or two, uh, and you know, I, I did, did some radio with some smart people before that. Uh, you know, just a lot of Washington tight ends who know a lot of football, and I've had a chance to work with over the years. You learn, <laughs> you learn something. Eventually, maybe a squirrel finds a nut. All right, uh, or blind squirrel finds a nut. Squirrels, whatever. People get it. Squirrels. Uh, squirrels squirrel all right uh coming up tomorrow uh thursday we will have a take five logan's playing days in chicago fun little story from that and then we're live on the radio uh 6 30 to 8 15 is the official take command pregame show but logan's going to join me on the hoffman show uh before that probably as well it just depends on when he gets out to tap sports bar uh so just start listening four o'clock on the team 980 you're watching on youtube four o'clock and then then just lock it in uh, from there, if you want to, you got to go run an errand. Uh, that's fine. You can put it on the radio or on the free Odyssey app. Whatever you got to do, we got lots of coverage of the game tomorrow. So make sure that you lock us in on the Take Command pregame show. We'll see you then. Uh, no post game stream because uh, it's past my bedtime and I'm an old man. And uh, also, it's going to be very late and Logan needs to get home. But yeah. that means we're going to wake up early on Friday morning. <laughs> so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you get a, an instant reaction pod that, uh, as as instant as it can be with a good night's sleep in between. All right, that's our show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching this. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.